you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Foss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. And uh, welcome. We certainly appreciate you guys coming by. Uh, today, we have the amazing author of uh, a massive amount of books. In fact, he was one of the, he's the one who wrote the original book, The Devil's Advocate, that turned into a massively explosive uh, and very popular movie. One of my favorite movies of all times, actually. And of course, I'm a big Al Pacino fan uh, and everything else. Andrew Niederman is on the show with us today. And uh, it, is it Niederman or Niederman? It's yeah. Niederman, um, but my family, when they moved to Philadelphia, like for some reason, they went for Niederman. There but, you go. You know, it's, it's, people in New York all know me as Andrew Niederman, yeah. Okay, it's sounds good then. Andrew Niederman is on the show with us today, and he's going to be talking about his latest book, and this is kind of exciting, Judgment Day. It's a prequel to The Devil's Advocate. So now I'm even more excited. I want to see this movie come out. Uh, so uh, if, if it gets turned into a movie, which I'm sure it probably will, I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk to him and find out what's going on with his life. But he is an yep. amazing author of over 46 thrillers. He's been the author of uh, V.C. Andrews for over 35 years. Besides The Devil's Advocate, he's had dozens of his books and V.C. Andrews novels adapted to film. The Cutler series is now being produced for Lifetime to air July 2023. Most recently, the biography he wrote of V.C. Andrews, The Woman Behind, or I'm sorry, The Woman Beyond the Addict, was nominated for an Edgar Award. Welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you? I'm great. I mean, it's, it's an exciting time, and uh, whoever thought it would, be, you know, it would come at this point in my life, but it's it's just uh, a wonderful horse to ride. And, uh, you know, being nominated for the Edgar Award for the biography of Virginia Andrews was one of the most exciting moments uh, uh, that I could remember. Uh, and then April 27th is the award dinner and uh, meet a lot of the people. And that'll be fun just in and of itself. A lot of the other nominees, a lot of the people from other categories. It's just a wonderful haven for all writers and TV people will be there and I'm looking forward to it. There you go. Oh, uh, well, I mean, geez, you, how many books have you written in total? I've published uh, at this moment about 151. We have four Vince Andrews novels coming out uh, in the next year and a half. So, yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm how you. I'm into films. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you. Exciting thing that you, I don't know if you realize it, because what happened a year and a half ago was I engineered the sale of the VC Andrews franchise to A&E Studios. Mm. And they had been producing some VC Andrews movies, and since then have done 19. And we have uh, 11 to 12 right now in the development can, so there'll be quite a few to see. This is going to be awesome. I mean, you you pretty much have uh, the V.C. Andrews series started mm -hmm. in 1987. There are approximately 26 million copies 
uh, worldwide, and today there are over 108 million. That's pretty prolific. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, I think, yeah, I started it in 87, but it had started, across Virginia started it before that. She had written eight, eight titles, and uh, to me, the most exciting thing was to be able to carry it on and to help to grow it. See, at this moment, there is a V.C. Andrews title in every country in the world that has a publisher, including mainland China. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a thing with the V.C. Andrews franchise. There you go. Eden's uh, Children went on sale early this year in January. Little Paula went on sale uh, February 23. Yeah. The Woman Beyond the Attic uh, went on sale in February. And uh, you've been nominated for the awards banquet, and then uh, we're talking about this newest book, Judgment Day, that comes out uh, that came out uh, August second, twenty twenty two. So yeah. uh, let's see here. What what uh, let what should we start with first to talk about? <laughs> and uh, we should get a dot com uh, so that we can get people to take a look at uh, wherever they want to find you on the interwebs. Well, one of them is Niderman dot com, mm -hmm. just Niderman dot com, and then I have a number of Facebook pages. There is an official V.C. Andrews Facebook page, mm -hmm. and uh, I have a page under Andrew Nineman author. I have a personal page, Andrew Nineman. There are a lot of pages, yeah. but uh, we have a big following on the V.C. Andrews, official V.C. Andrews page. There's a lot of fans who have started the pages uh, on their own, different pages, but there is an official V.C. Andrews page, and that gets all the news first. So that's a good place for anybody to go if they want to know what's, what's coming up and what's happening. There you uh, go. Judgment Day, of course, I advertised on the Andrew Nineman uh, Facebook page and on LinkedIn and other uh, internet sites. And Judgment Day uh, is how Satan came into New York and took over the law firm and how a district attorney in New York gradually, gradually realizes there's something weird about this, this lawyer and starts to pursue him. And he has... Uh, a biblical background himself. So it becomes a very interesting uh, conflict in the, in the book. Did you ever write a sequel to uh, The Devil's Advocate? Not as such, but I have written, I did write a book called The Dark, which is about Satan taking over uh, the firm of a psychiatrist. He goes to the psychiatrist, Satan himself, and uh, asks for help because he has a compulsion to cause people to do evil things. Mm. And this psychiatrist, of course, is half, you know, thinking, you know, this guy is a little wacky or whatever until he describes one of the recent events and he finds out it's true. And now he begins to worry about the patient. Ah. That's called the dark. There you go. Easy, easily picked up on Amazon or any of the book sites. So the Judgment Day uh, prequel, The Devil's Advocate, um, was it was it hard to form this out after you know? I mean, sometimes I, I mean I don't know, but I, I can imagine that sometimes you know taking such a great story and trying to to do the a prequel to it and make it equally as great might be challenging. It is challenging, uh, but it was exciting and fun to do because uh, I was able to bring so much from The Devil's Advocate into the prequel. And, of course, uh, he's got to establish himself as charming, just as he is in the, in the movie. And uh, we established where the conflicts would occur and who he's going after and how he takes over the firm. It opens up with one of the members of the firm 
basically looks like he's committing suicide, but somebody's actually killing him under Satan's orders. Mm -hmm. And Satan moves right into that spot and starts to take over the firm, and all kinds of things happen. And this this and this detective gets involved with it because there's criminal cases, and he has, as I said, a biblical background, and he begins to realize something is going on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's such a great like uh, like we were talking in the, the green room. One of my favorite scenes of the uh, and anytime I see vanity or some sort of egotistical thing in you know media or whatever, I always love that scene. You know, vanity. It's my favorite sin. And then there's the Rolling Stones uh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> slide uh, over in the character. Um, and it, it's such a great part for uh, Al, Al Pacino, which I am a huge fan. I thought, I thought what was kind of interesting was the mixture of, uh, you know, John Milton, John Steinbeck, East of Eden, and uh, and uh, what's the other thing I'm looking at? Uh, East of Eden and... and Look at uh, Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost, yeah. yeah, and the whole the whole way that blends in and just really kind of creates the whole the whole story, which is I I just I just love how you know just the complexity of that. Yeah, well, we have, well let's you have to remember that. Let's go back for a minute. I I was a school teacher, mm -hmm. English department chairman, at a high school in upstate New York, Fallsburg High School, and uh, I had a great background in literature, obviously. Uh, had a master's degree in uh, in English, and I was impressed by many of these uh, early works. And Paradise Lost, Lost was always a favorite one of mine. You know, View of the Devil. You know, you can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. I'd rather reign in hell <laughs> than serve in than serve in heaven. I mean, oh, there's some great stuff there to yeah. to build on. And then you always have Shakespeare and his View of the Devil. And uh, being a teacher, I was able to weave all these things together into my story, be inspired by them. And that's why I think it's a bigger story than uh, just a simple thriller. It has so much that people can read into it. Uh, this, you know, the son of the devil. I imply a lot of things that the screenwriter then built on mm -hmm. and in the movie, which was great. I thought it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those who have read the book, they know that at the end of the novel, after Kevin, uh, the lawyer, kills Satan with a gunshot. Uh, he goes to prison. Mm -hmm. And when he's in prison, he ends up being terrorized by the other prisoners to do their appeals. Mm -hmm. And the ending of the book is he goes to the library, forced to do them. And who is the librarian but John Milton? <laughs> so we realize that Satan let him do this in order to get help him get his people out so to speak. Ah. So it was quite a, a dramatic ending. They all loved it, but they said, well, the problem in the movies is the main character is defeated so badly that uh, we fear we'd lose box office. So wow. then we, you know, we worked on trying to find another ending for it. And it took uh, six writers wow. until Tony Guilford came along and he came up with that uh, you know that mirror scene, and then we're going back, and and then the the ending, and mm -hmm. then the ending, of course, when Satan says, "Vanity, my favorite sin." But the reason he's saying it is because uh, even though it looks like the lawyer has become a moral person, we realize in that last moment that vanity is going to overtake him again, 
and you know Satan was defeated, but he's never killed. So uh, that's that was a great way to launch it in that regard. Oh yeah, I mean, and By it way, sets up we almost had it developed as a as a stage musical. Is it really a stage musical too? It will be. Yeah. Uh, wow. I've been working on that with a dramatist in London <laughs> and a composer, dramatist uh, Julian Wolford, who's done a lot of shows, a lot of plays. Uh -huh. And uh, Richard John, the music director, who's uh, the composer. Mm -hmm. And we are now finishing up our deal with Poland to open there in uh, 2024. And there's a big bite from South Korea. So mm -hmm. you may say, while you're going there, well, that's the way you get musicals on the over. I mean, getting going. You should go to smaller venues first, build it up, and then find your way to Broadway. There you go. So I was just going to ask you. It will be a musical. Yeah. Well, that, that would be interesting. I mean, it's it's such a powerful movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And, I, of course, as I mentioned, I'm an Al Pacino fan. Uh, and uh, the Matrix gentleman, I forget his name. Uh, yeah, he did, Keanu Reeves. He, Keanu Reeves. He was so yeah. great in that part, as it was, was the, uh, the part female role. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was powerful, um, and it just such a great plot twist. Such a you know you 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 kind of feel the horror of of what he starts to figure out. Um, I remember, uh, you know, the the play that Pacino does so beautifully, where you know he tells the guys who try to mug him in the uh, oh, yeah. in in the subway. He's like, if you go home, you know, he's talking language. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just pure wonderful evil. Um, yeah, was it was it hard to put that into current terms and and pick lawyers as the vehicle of uh, the current day devil? I mean, it seems kind of appropriate if you think oh, about that, it. That was the easy part, you know. Uh, last <laughs> August, I did uh, Ari Melber's show on MSNBC, and we talked about uh, the difference in what is immorality. What used to be good and evil, the lawyers have turned to win or lose. Yeah. And that's what worked its way into politics. So it's no longer whether you're going to do good things. The main thing is, can I win? Mm -hmm. Can I be reelected? And that's more important than, uh, you know, doing the good thing. Yeah. So I think, it, I think there's a heavy emphasis on winning and losing. And I think that, in fact, there's a great line in The Devil's Advocate when Keanu Reeves is yelling – back and forth with uh, Al Pacino and, and he says, I'm a lawyer. We win. That's what we do. <laughs> and basically uh, that's what it's become. Yeah. And uh, you know, the reason I guess I, I chose lawyers be, is because they start off when you think about it, uh, they never really ask the client, are you guilty? Mm -hmm. Because once they do that, they're uh, officers of the court. And that's a different story. So the purpose that they'll always tell you is I got to give somebody a good defense yeah. going to the Constitution. So I'm not going to ask him if he's guilty. I'm going to find out how to make him not guilty or if he's guilty, how to make it less severe. Yeah. So that, you know, you go to a doctor, he doesn't uh, look at your illness and say, okay, how can I make uh, this person <laughs> <laughs> not guilty? Uh, I, I, think it, I think in today's world, it's like, how much money can I charge this guy? Yeah, it lends itself to it. You know? maybe, maybe you should make insurance, health insurance companies the next. Uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the funny part when you, when you talk about it is I once I was once at a, I remember I was at a restaurant in France, in Nice, I think it was, and somebody introduced 
said to do a whole restaurant. The author of The Devil's Advocate is here. And a man raised his hand in the back and he said, I'm a lawyer. And I said, what kind of lawyer? And he said, criminal attorney. I said, that, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> you know, you're, if you're a criminal, you're an attorney. <laughs> the place laughed me up. Really did. Well, there it was you go. Funny. And uh, I had a lot of fun with lawyers after that. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting how they uh, it's it's interesting how they do their work, and you know, everyone yeah. everyone deserves a thing, but you know, and like it portrays in the movie, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you can get a guy off on a technicality, and he goes and does something even more again. heinous. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, I got two stories for you. One is uh, while we were developing the Devil's Advocate, the O.J. Simpson case was on. Oh, jeez. So I would be running up. I run up to, remember running up to Water Brothers a number of times saying, what are you guys doing? The, the devil's advocate is on television. <laughs> why, don't you guys get, why don't we get moving here? Why don't we yeah. stop rewriting and doing all these notes, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, it, if it doesn't fit. It, does, was, yeah. uh, it was quite a uh, thing to see. But, there you go. Uh, this is a true story. I was, I was on a plane going to... Again, I was going to, it seems like I go there all the time, but I was going to France and um, I got to a conversation with a man across the aisle, like you're often doing. He, he, uh, he asked me, what do I do for a living? And I told him, writer. And he said, what? You're right. And then I said, well, you probably know the devil's advocate. And he said, my God, you changed my life. And I said, what do you, what do you mean? Wow. He says, I was a criminal attorney. I represented a man who killed a child. Oh. I got him off. I saw your movie. The man killed another child. Jesus. I quit being a lawyer, and I bought a hotel in in Ez. That's a true wow. story. I mean, that is amazing. I had chills for the whole rest of the trip. It's giving me chills. I mean, that's yeah, extraordinary. I, I, I would have trouble with the guilt of of it as well. I, I, yeah. I I just think it's uh, you know it, it's interesting. There, there's life. You know. There's certain people I I I couldn't. I, I I love the attorney business and I like the the whole feel of law and the aspects of it and constitution and stuff like that. But I don't think I could ever be a criminal attorney, at least not one for defense. Well, you uh, know, least... to be fair, you got to go to uh, to kill a mockingbird. Look at Gregory Peck. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of attorney that we love. You know, mm -hmm. you know that kind of an attorney and Perry Mason stories and all that. So. I don't mean to say that all attorneys are the Satan. It's sure. just that there's a tendency or a leaning, a leaning that allows them to shave it a bit more than maybe other professions. Yeah. And you see that in uh, Judgment Day when he takes over the firm and, and the detective realizes there's something going on here, you know, the, something going on in the cases that's a little bit supernatural. And so... Yeah. That gets us back into the devil's advocate, yeah. Yeah, and and the whole you know the play on the seven what is it the seven deadly sins you know vanity, yeah. and uh, and all the other stuff gluttony and everything else, you know it, it's interesting how we struggle with that as as human beings uh, our own vanity our own egotism, I mean I clearly suffer from a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have it. It's good. Yeah. You no, know, in some ways it's very good to have it. You got to have it. Yeah, have self respect. But yeah. you, think it, you know, at what point yeah. does it become egomania? You know. Yeah. 
Well, we all know I have egomania. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get a plug in for your other books here. Uh, okay. You've got The Woman Beyond the Addict, uh, right. which uh, is coming out in June on paperback. It came out last year, uh, yes. and it's won awards. Uh, let's get a plug in for that as well. Well, yeah, this is, I mean, I'm nominated for the Edgar Award, and I'm so pleased for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, after 40 years of Flowers in the Act, it was 40 years out, so... Uh, V.C. Andrews was actually 40 years old, the whole franchise. I thought it was time to write her biography. Hmm. And I was fortunate because uh, there were some elderly members of her family who had one of them in particular, Mary Andrews, a sister-in-law. He, she had all of Virginia's paperwork. I'm talking now about uh, personal letters, about notes on writing, notes on books, notes on everything there is. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, able to get into all of that. And then there was, this is, was phenomenal, there was a, an aunt who, still alive, who was working in Walmarts at 104 years old. Wow. And uh, she was there for uh, Virginia's family, her father. She had a lot of uh, details, and real details, that I could uh, intertwine in writing the, the biography. But the big challenge for me course because flowers in the attic is such a gigantic bestseller worldwide uh we're talking in in the tens of millions of copies uh was all of the mysteries in the book that readers have been trying have been trying to solve for decades and i was able through getting into her biography be able to track where anecdotes in her real life showed up in flowers in the attic and in fact, I discovered that she was a very sick woman in the sense that she had uh, a terrible handicap and was basically home homebound for just most of her life. She you know, up to the point when she was a young teenager, and then she ended up uh, in wheelchairs and operations and homebound. In the first uh, case, when she was in the hospital, when she was very young, she was very beautiful in her in youth. Even in old age, and even six, she was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, a doctor came to see her, who was infatuated with her, and said, "I heard you want to be a writer." You know, and he said, hey, "Let me tell you my life story. Maybe you make a story of it." And he told her the story of he, him, and his siblings being locked in an attic in yeah. Richmond, Virginia. Wow! She never forgot the story, but she didn't really write it. This is what was phenomenal about her: she persevered in her work. But she didn't really write it or flesh it out until she was 55 years old. Mm-hmm. At 55, she became a world phenomenon. This was a woman who had been housebound all that time. And suddenly, everybody in the world wanted to meet Virginia Andrews. So the story is quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. The Woman Beyond the Attic. It's on Simon and & Schuster. And uh, in June, it'll come out in paperback. And uh, uh, we're hoping to get into a movie about her life story, too. That'll be really interesting. And, and so on Eden's Children, which went on sale in January yeah. in Little Paula, you're, you're writing those? Yeah, I wrote Eden's Children and then Little Paula. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing about uh, V.C. Andrews that makes it kind of unique, it's always about family in some way or another, but yeah. there's always some kind of a weird twist, mm-hmm. some kind of strange thing. You know, nothing weirder probably than Flowers in the Attic with a mother who poisons her own child, wow. children, and... Uh, with the scene of incest that we have. Mm. But, um, and then the background of all the family. 
Wozniak was so powerful that I was able to develop six more novels out of it. Wow. Out of it. Wow. Out of the book itself. And I've written a stage play that just came out, uh, up to, updated to download for anybody, the stage play of The Flowers in the Attic. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Eden's Children, my most recent V.C. Andrews series, is about, the premise is about a mother, a woman, who's married and has no children, mm-hmm. uh, who goes shopping in orphanages for two children to mm-hmm. make a new family. And it has that kind of a weird twist. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say make a new family, it, it's, it's a double meaning. Oh, wow. She had intended for the, the two she had adopted mm-hmm. to become parents for her grandchild. Mm-hmm. And her husband doesn't realize it. So it's, it's quite an intricate family story. I mean, Eden's children, and then uh, what happens is there is a baby, and that baby becomes little Paula. Wow. So there's quite a bit to go on that one. Yeah. And so you're going to continue publishing this series or being the writer for this series from here on out? Well, I'm working on the new series, which is the Sutherland series. Okay. And the first book on that one will be out in fall of next, uh, fall of next year. No, I'm sorry. It's going to be out in February of next year called Losing Spring. Mm. And that starts uh, the Sutherland series. Mm-hmm. And the second book's already written, and that'll be out in the fall, and that's called uh, Searching for Endless Summer. So this is a very similar in structure to Flowers in the Attic, but it's much more modern in its themes and in its plot uh, challenges. There you go. What, what, what helps you be so prolific? What do you, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you uh, think is the core of, of why you're able to just write so many books and, and uh, do different uh, screenplays and things of that nature? What, what do you think uh, is, is the catalyst for that? And what, what uh, unlocked that for you? Well, I grew up in uh, an encouraging household. Uh, I had my maternal grandmother live with us. Mm-hmm. She was from Hungary, and she uh, she would tell me at night stories about gypsies and all the magic and things. And I was just a little kid, boy, you know, but I was fascinated with just listening to her. My father was kind of a storyteller. My mother was like a poet. And um, my sister wrote poetry, too. So, But it just was in our, inbred, I guess. But I often say to people, uh, I'm not sure if it's a curse or a blessing <laughs> because, I mean, it's almost impossible for me to go out and see things happening and not have, which I call the what, uh, the main driver for all stories is the what if question. Mm. So I'm always challenged by that. Uh, let me give you a real concrete example. Sure. I was reading an article about an experiment in Oxford where they were taking human brain cells and putting them into the brains of monkeys to see if they could raise the intelligence of the monkeys. Mm. And it was, you know, experiment they were doing. And I went in my head and I said, what if they did that with a German shepherd, supposedly the most intelligent dog used for war and police, and it escapes into population? So I wrote Night Howl from that what-if question. Mm -hmm. See, so behind all my books, there's this curiosity that just comes. 
And then the the big thing for a writer is it's great to have a, a premise like that, but you need a character. Mm-hmm. You have to develop a strong character. When I say a strong character, the right the character should take over the story. If you have a good character, he or she will take it over the story. Mm-hmm. It, he or she will not do things not in accordance with his character or her character. And that drives the plot. Mm-hmm. So you have to really concentrate on the person, the character that you're developing, and work the premise in that way. And that's, that's why I tell young writers. That's get, brilliant. Get a lot of question and get a great character. The what if element. Uh, do you ever get writer's block? 150 books plus it. Uh, ever get writer's <laughs> block? <laughs> no. I don't know what that is, really. I heard many writers talk about it, but uh, uh, I have so many things backed up that I'm waiting to get to. Because mm-hmm. I'm writing the third book in the Sutherland series, and um, there are there are four or five other I have misconcepts that I wish I could get to, but uh, I have to do what I'm doing first, and then uh, and then I get challenged by the movies because. Uh, I have to be the consultant on movie scripts and uh, mm-hmm. make sure that we're staying within the V.C. Andrews world. Mm-hmm. So I do that with uh, the Lifetime Network. And uh, I work with other people trying to get films made and doing. And then I write, I write the script for, uh, I mean, I write the play for Flowers in the Attic. So I'm, I just keep busy. It, I don't need to talk about writer's block. You know? That's maybe the key. Is to yeah. just keep and you know asking questions like what if and and things like that to to just keep on going. Do you have a set schedule you keep every day where you write, or do you just write because it it pours out of you? No, I don't believe in that. You know, mm-hmm. people say uh, I write when I get in the mood, kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. that's not a professional writer. A professional <laughs> writer is like any other person working. You get up in the morning and you start. Uh, I always like to start. And I always tell writers. Never end a chapter. Mm. Always write to the middle of the next chapter. And then when you start again the next day, rewrite everything you can up to that point. And it's like a relay runner passing the baton. Wow. You just keep going from there. But if you end the chapter, you're going to have a hard time starting up. It's like, you know, it's a hard time starting up. You stop running, you have a hard time starting up. That you're running, you can run fast, you know. That would make yeah. sense. Yeah, so basically that's my technique, and I tell that to yeah, other writers, people trying to be writers, you know. Challenge yourself every morning, uh, and don't sit there and say, well, I don't have the mood or something. <laughs> Go back into your character. My, you know, my family, my kids are always telling stories about how I would start talking about characters at dinner as if they were people they knew. Huh? It would drive them crazy, you know. And, uh, <laughs> Anyway, who is that? You know, did we meet that person? Do we know this person? Are we related? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So was, you know, it just to me they're always alive. So, uh, I'll just say, and, and then I don't know. The other day, I remember saying it. I was just writing in this this new Sutherland series, and there's a grandfather in it, and uh, he's like uh, a billionaire uh, businessman. He's got his own attitudes about everything, and. Uh, uh, and I, when I realized something I was saying, and I said, oh, wait a minute, that's what grandfather said. And then, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> grandfather, in the book I'm writing, he just said that. And it was like, what do you mean you just said it? You wrote it, didn't you? No. 
No, he just said it. <laughs> to me, he just said it. Yeah. Well, you know, we we've had a lot of prolific authors like yourself on that have written lots of lots of books, and yeah. it's interesting to me how they're always able to weave the story and develop the characters, and 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 those characters, you know, like you meant say, take on a living, breathing sort of sense. And uh, do you ever get feedback from your uh, from your readers where they go, "Hey, you know, did you notice this character is, you know, it, it has these sort of issues and give you a bit of an epiphany?" You ever had that before? Oh yeah, I got a lot of feedback, <laughs> especially with the Lucy Andrews line. You know, <clears throat> I get as hundreds of thousands of fans. You know, yeah, everybody's got opinions. I think it's nice, uh, and yeah, they challenge uh, some things. You know, and <laughs> I try to explain them, but uh, it's it, it, yeah, it's good to me. Yeah. Um, if you stir people up where they care enough about what they're reading, mm. you've succeeded. There you go. You've made it something a living. And uh, if when somebody reads something, you go, eh, you know, that's it. You know, they don't care to think about it anymore. You know, that's a failure. Yeah. So uh, how odd it might sound, but if somebody comes back and says, yeah, your character should have done this and should have done that. And I'm thinking, well, that's good. <laughs> you're thinking about the character, you know. There and you go. To you, it's a living thing. So yeah. you're telling, you're criticizing me, but basically you're telling me I succeeded. It's kind of like, uh, maybe it's kind of like, uh, you know, songs and lyrics and stuff in songs. Okay. Like people always take their own interpretation, you know, like Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. You know, people have some sort of all sorts yeah. of different interpretations that they place on it. You know, it's yeah, really. That's the key thing in Flowers in the Attic. Why I wrote the biography of mm -hmm. one, you know, Woman Beyond the Attic. Because in the biography, uh, a lot of the readers' uh, questions about the story, you know, their opinions and what this means it gets solved for them because it's a wait wait here's where it was this is what actually did happen and here's how vc andrews incorporated it in the story and you mm. can see all that now and the other reason what made it interesting uh, or challenging to write this biography was uh vc andrews deliberately put out misinformation about herself and the reason she did that was one she wanted to be a mystery but uh, when she went to London, after she had become such a success, a reporter uh, described her in a very ugly way as a handicapped, crippled woman. Wow. You know, made up things, in fact. It was like an inquirer story. Hmm. And she never forgave the, the media for that. So if they'd ask her questions, she deliberately made, made up things to, to just to drive people crazy sometimes. <laughs> and... Um, it was fun discerning the truth from that, and, and uh, a challenge for me as the biographer to get into the truth of the matter through mm -hmm. the family and through paperwork. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating. Yeah, okay. and I imagine her fan, your, her fans really loved it, right? Because they got a chance to see behind the. Yeah, video. I had a lot of great responses to it, and a lot of people still don't know it exists. You know, it's hard today to get. People to know everything, you know, what exists and what doesn't out there, but it's still selling. And um, anybody can find, you know, you can find anything on Amazon, but uh, it's a Simon and Schuster book, so it's uh, it's going to be out again in this June as a paperback. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the Edgar Award nomination helped it, you know, quite a bit. 
There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the award. I mean, certainly, you know, you work hard. Achievements are good and give recognition and, you know, give recognition to your future work even more. You know, anything more you can do to amplify it to the next level and yeah. get more readers. I mean, that's an awesome feat. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting to actually what happened to me. We were in Hawaii and uh, you're, you're a couple hours behind New well, five hours behind New York, I think. So I just picked up, uh, I don't know what it was. I was on the internet. And I see him, I'm being congratulated. And I think, what the heck am I being congratulated for? And then I started, I, I started get notified of the nomination for the Edgar Award. It was nice. like a fun way to wake up. That's that's one way to do it. I've had that happen with the awards uh, that that we've gotten with the Chris Foss and the Chris Foss Show. Yeah. I woke up uh, two years in a row, and people are like, "Hey, have you read Forbes yet? Have you seen you know the Forbes Award?" And you're like, "Well, I don't know. I just woke up, man. I got I'm hungover." Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is a nice way to wake up. But congratulations on all that. Uh, anything more we want to plug coming down the pipe in the future? Well, I just say, in, uh, in next year, we'll have the new Viciando series, the Sutherland series. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the movie. The movie's coming out in July. They're based on the Cutler series. The first book is Dawn, which, mm -hmm. which when I wrote that series, I, that was a complete series that I wrote on my own. Mm -hmm. And Dawn outsold Flowers in the Attic in initial sale. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular uh, a series with the fan base and, and Actually, everyone. So uh, that will be an exciting summer. Um, we are going, as you, I don't know if you knew it, but we did do a limited series on Flowers in the Attic called Flowers in the Attic, The Origins mm -hmm. on Lifetime. And it was based on the first novel I wrote, Garden of Shadows. And it got the biggest limited series audience Lifetime's ever had. Wow. So it will be continued. And that's going to be a very exciting uh, event when that when that happens. Mm -hmm. And there'll be more movies coming. As I said, they've already made 19, and they already have another 11 in development. Yeah. So it's going to be a pretty exciting period uh, um, for movies and books and the V.C. Andrews franchise, no question. And Devil's Advocate coming out as a musical is so exciting for us. <laughs> and, uh, the hills are alive with the yeah, devil. Well, Satan seems well in this. <laughs> Does it well, Andrew or uh, Al Pacino? You know, he, he did such a—he's just such yeah. a bomb, such a bombastic job. Uh, he's been accused of overacting. I think he's a great, one of the greatest actors of all he time. He was great. It was great to watch him. I was on yeah. the set for that big scene, that office scene. Oh yeah. You know? And uh, uh, I kept saying to Taylor Hackford, "That was great," and he said, "Wait a minute, he's going to want to do it again." Well. <laughs> He did it 14 times. Really? Yeah. Wow. 14 yeah. different takes. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I said, well, every one of them were great for me, you know, but yeah. he's a perfectionist. Yeah. And, uh, That's probably why he's a great it actor. It was wonderful uh, to be on that set. We had a lot of great New York actors in that movie, by the way. Yeah. You know, right. you know Ruben Santiago Hudson, who's been in a lot of television. Uh, he was the devil's man, so to speak, and he mm -hmm. won Tony Awards. There were a lot of them from the New York theater scene in the movie. Yeah. Because it was made in in New York and in uh, downtown L.A. in a studio. Yeah. But it was made in the Centennial Building in New York, 
Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers took over two floors for that. So we it was such a New York actors. Such a beautiful movie, uh, visually, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. I mean, I so I I would love to see the prequel. I'd love to see a sequel. Uh, I don't know if you know. It's one of those things where it's such a great movie. I don't. It's it's hard to beat it. But yeah. you know what the hell? You know, sometimes it's fun to go down those roads. You know, I I'm still a fan of Godfather two, and I like oh, Godfather yeah. three. Um, you know, you can kind of see a little bit of repetition in the storyline of Godfather three. But you know, hey. I, I'm a, such a big fan of the original Godfather, and so you know yeah. you can take great movies and and spin them off a little bit, and sure. uh, they come out pretty well. So yeah. hopefully, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed that okay. that's going to happen. You remind me, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the movie for old times. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I watched it like 50 trillion times. Yeah, people do. Uh, Vanity, my favorite sin. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, you'll be there for the musical. <laughs> there you go. I can yeah, see yeah, that. A little closer to you, maybe. Well, you'd be able to do the Rolling Stones bit that, uh, you know, the... Da, 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 oh, I, I love that. When they, we, every time the we went to the Rolling Stones concert, when they sang that, we just had chills. Because that, <laughs> oh, that song... It, you know, Taylor was very good with picking the music for the movie, Taylor Hackford. Yeah. Actually, you know, he's married to Helen Mirren, the greatest actress in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, okay. In fact, when I met Taylor, I said, I don't, you know, it's, I like meeting you, but I'd rather meet your wife, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun. It was great. And there my son, as a pilot, actually flew Taylor and Helen on a on a flight. Wow! And they, and they ran. To, Taylor said, uh, "I mean, yeah, Helen said he should do the musical in Italy because uh, Taylor's more famous in Italy than I am." <laughs> yeah, the opening line for I believe it's "Painted Black" by the Rolling Stones, right? Da, 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 yeah. The opening guitar lick. Uh, it to me, Painted Black is one of the all time best songs. Uh, of course, there's the uh, there's the uh, devil's uh, what's the what's the devil song? Uh, uh, I forget, um, but it's their famous, their famous song. Pleased to meet you, hope you guess my name. Uh, you know, that uh, such great music to play on, so uh, that makes such great movies, anyway. Thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on. Congratulations on the award, and uh, uh, give us your dot com so people can find you on the interwebs. Okay, so I am nightman.com if they want to see titles of books. Um, the official VC Andrews page on Facebook is the big uh, uh, spot where they hear the news pretty, pretty quickly. We're on Twitter, uh. We're in. We're on LinkedIn too. I mean, we. I get into LinkedIn too, so we're on all the same uh, places, and uh, we look forward to getting more news out to everybody and exciting times ahead. There you go. There you go. And more well, I'll be excited to see the new works coming out. Continue success, sir. my friend. Thank you very much. I all appreciate right. it. And Thank thanks you. to my audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and all those places across the internet. Pick up uh, the newest books in a series of the VC Andrews series, Eden's Children. And uh, also, uh, I don't have the second book up. Looks like I lost the track of it. Judgment Day. Little Paula. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Little, Little Paula. Paula. On sale February 7th, 2023. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that should have a sound, Grant.